Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta, your host, with you as always. And tonight, joined by Zach Hubbard to wrap up the 2021 uh, signing class for the Tar Heels, one of the best in program history. 19 commits. We're not going to go over all the guys that, of course, signed in the early signing period. But we are going to break down the guy that did sign with the Tar Heels today after committing earlier this afternoon as well. That is 2021 three-star cornerback Dante Balfour, who picked the Tar Heels over longtime favorite Auburn and another team that was attempting to make a late push in LSU. And this is a big win for the Tar Heels on the recruiting trail. Once again, Dre Bly working his recruiting magic as he just continues to impress. Uh, you know, a guy that came in wasn't the you know most uh, intriguing hire, I think, on the staff. Where, uh, for a lot of people, mainly in the national landscape, a lot of Tar Heel fans liked the hire because it was a familiar face coming back. But they knew that this was a guy that hadn't coached at the college level just yet, but he has proven himself over the last couple of years to be one of the up-and-comers, not only just in the ACC in terms of coaches, but pretty much nationally. He's a guy that I think is going to be getting recognized here over the next couple of years with how great of a job he has done, and he gets another big one here. Uh, So, Zach, uh, you know, when you saw this commitment, uh, Carolina, you know, we thought they were done when we talked about the early signing class, um, you know, when, when it wrapped up back in December, but they weren't done just yet. They wanted to add another cornerback in the class, and boy, from watching his film, it looks like they got a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you put on his film, he's really sort of what you're looking at as a prototypical cornerback, um, I believe listed at 6'2", right in a good weight range there. So just from a physical, you know, measurable perspective, he's right what you want uh, from one of your outside corners, specifically in the type of defense that defensive coordinator Jay Bateman runs, where he puts those corners 
on an island so often and you know has those guys playing in one-on-one coverage so uh, with that you know you have the length to be able to play a variety of wide receivers um you have just the physical ranginess um you know to make plays on the football um and also very athletic as well it's not just a size thing with him he's able to move around move around laterally track the ball in the air just a really really good um you know, pass defense cornerback on the outside. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things about him was this is a defensive playmaker. That's still something that Carolina is is looking for with their corners. And look, you know, we've seen what Tony Grimes can do, an extremely talented young prospect. We've seen what Storm Duck can do, another great coverage guy on the outside. Same thing with even Kyler McMichael, really serviceable guy that you can play on the outside and had some success this year. But where they're lacking still with their corners and even their safeties to a certain extent is the ability to turn the football over. Balfour was a three-year starter at Bradford High School in Stark, Florida. He had 14 interceptions in his career and 12 pass deflections. He had seven in one season as a junior uh, back in 2019. And this guy, um, I think, you know, one of the things that really helped him and really put him on the radar for the Tar Heels was he had another really strong season as a senior. 77 total tackles, four interceptions, two pass deflections, And I think that's one of the more underrated things about his game, if you turn on his film. This is a guy that can tackle just about as well as any corner that we're going to see in this this recruiting class, really the last few recruiting classes. That's something that you really didn't see a lot of when you watched the film on Tony Grimes. You didn't see a lot of uh, when you watched some of the recruiting film on Storm Duck and some of those other guys. This guy, it's a little bit different. It shows up at certain points. He can read out screens really well. And I think, you know, the other thing that really stands out to me is his quickness. This guy can cover a lot of space really, really quickly. And it helps him a lot because even though he, you know, might get beat on a route down the middle of the field sometimes, he's able to recover very quickly and be able to make plays on the football. And I think that's something that is really big with the type of off or type of defense, excuse me, that Carolina plays. Um, you know, Jay Bateman is a guy that likes to play aggressive, and that means it's a there's a lot of one-on-one coverage, particularly man coverage situations that his outside corners are put in. This is a guy that I think has good enough hips, he's got good enough speed, and he's got good enough coverage ability where he'll be able to handle himself in this scheme. And that's one of the main things that I think uh, we've got to make sure that Carolina fans who, you know, are are pretty much, you know, in-depth look, you know, they take in-depth looks at the recruiting classes and everything like that, realize this guy may have signed late. This is a really, really solid prospect. I think that he might even be a little bit underrated. He's a three-star, but he's inside of that top 500 that we talked about back when we talked through the early signing class and sort of looked at what we consider blue-chip prospects. I think this guy qualifies as that type of player, and it'll be interesting going forward. And I think one of the other big things, Zach, uh, that this does is this adds more depth for the Tar Heels at corner. Uh, That's a position in you know in the last couple of years specifically where Carolina has had some trouble having enough guys at that position that are serviceable enough and can hold up in coverage uh, when they get later on in the season because we've seen that position get beat up time in and time out over the last few years so this adds a guy that even if he doesn't come in and 
quite live up to you know the expectations that some of the other guys are going to have, like Tony Grimes, like Storm Duck, some of those guys. This is still a guy that you look at and say he's going to be able to come in and be at least serviceable, if not very good, in this system for Jay Bateman. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, specifically with the cornerback room, as you saw this past year, um, there was quite a bit of rotation, not only because they had a lot of quality guys that were available, but because they had those injuries. So um, with the ongoing discussion that the coaching staff in press conferences and in these sort of um, recruiting events has had year after year, is that one of their primary goals, not just in bringing talent in, but in developing depth. That was one of their prime focuses in year one, uh, in year two, and will continue to be uh, really over, you know, indefinitely until they get uh, the roster to a level that they want, uh, where they feel that they have both the talent and depth to continuously challenge for ACC titles. So, like you mentioned, another great addition um, uh, to build depth, to add talent there, really build both of those requirements. And just as one more note there, sort of as you started discussing um, what Dre Bly has brought not only to this coaching staff on uh, the recruiting side, but from a developmental side, we talk about those cornerbacks. You talk about guys like Storm Duck, uh, even a true freshman like Tony Grimes. We've seen Dre Bly sort of you know flex his developmental chops um, because – you know, came in from the high school level, not really known for being a college coach. People had questions about, well, how is he going to perform at a power five job in a power five position coach role? Well, we've already seen, you know, him be able to recruit guys specifically there uh, in the Tidewater area of Virginia. That was a given to a lot of people um, that he was going to be able to sort of recruit in his home area. But now we're seeing him sort of develop his range, go out and get a guy, you know, from Florida just based on his ability to develop quarterbacks, to show proof of concept, you know, with these younger guys, with guys like Tony Grimes and say, hey, you know, I'm not just this guy that was added because, you know, I'm a Tar Heel. I wasn't just added because I'm from the Tidewater area and can offer you that access. I'm a coach and I'm here to develop, you know, defensive backs and, you know, develop guys that are going to have sort of, um, you know, NFL aspirations. Yeah, I think you're you're you hit the nail on the head there. It really shows how good of a recruiter he is that he can, you know, start to go to some of these other areas where like you mentioned, he's not as well known. He is very well known in the state of North Carolina. He's very well known in the Tidewater area because he's from there. He played here in North Carolina. So that makes sense why he is able to establish really good recruiting routes here. But now you're starting to see him go outside of that into the state of Georgia a little bit, into the state of Florida to land this. And I think the other thing that's really impressive about what he did with this recruitment is you got to remember, this is a guy that wasn't offered until Christmas Eve. So he had a little over a month to basically, convinced this young man that his choice to push his decision back to February and his choice to potentially go away from a school that he was extremely comfortable with, had established a really strong relationship with in Auburn, was the right move. Now, of course, it helps that Gus Malzahn was fired at Auburn. That lends well for Carolina, but at the same time, this is probably something that doesn't happen under any other regime that Carolina has had in the recent past. So for him to be able to go in, work as quickly as he was, and you know get this commitment 
to add to a class that was already stacked. And I feel like he looked at and thought with Tony Grimes reclassifying needed an outside corner, that's huge to be able to, I mean, basically, you know, I think that was one of the things that they just maybe didn't realize when Tony Grimes reclassified that they were going to be without a guy on the outside because it looks like, you know, DeAndre Boykins is going to be a nickelback. Same thing probably with Tymere Brown, mainly just because he is 5'9", 5'10", at the max. So he's a shorter guy. It's really hard to stick those guys on the outside. So to be able to recover and scramble this quickly, find a guy as talented as Balfour, for, get in on his recruitment and make this big of an impact to eventually land him is just huge. And yeah, I think he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, over the next couple of years, there are going to be people talking about him as one of the best recruiters in the country, one of the better, you know, just position coaches in the country too, if he continues to develop these types of guys the way that he has. And it's really great to see because, yeah, I, I was one of those guys that was kind of wondering, you know, would, care, would, would it work out or was this just a move? where you know he he knows the area he'll help you recruiting wise and you know he used to play here well it definitely wasn't this was a move where Mac Brown took a look at him knew exactly what he was getting in in him and uh, he has been fantastic so Carolina's 2021 recruiting class is officially in the books 24-7 sports composite team rankings which is the best one to go off of because it combines all three of the sites Gives you one score for all the players. Same thing for the team rankings. Has Carolina 14th nationally and ranks third in the ACC. So Carolina with a really, really strong class. One of the best in recent memory. And again, the big thing to realize here with this class is that Carolina only brings in 19 guys. So not only did they sign a good class, but everybody in this class has some really good talent. I mean, we, we talked about it, as as you remember, the lowest rated prospect in this class is Travion Stevenson, who is outside of the top 1,000, but is considered a guy that probably, if he would have played his senior year uh, in the state of Virginia, which it does not look like the state of Virginia is probably even going to play in the spring, unfortunately, um, he would have probably been able to move up a couple of those rating boards Boards. Outside of that, the lowest rated prospect is Caleb Hood. And we know what we've heard about Caleb Hood, that he would be inside the top 500. Everyone else, top 500 prospect or higher. And again, did it in the state of North Carolina. Knocked it out of the park. 15 of the 19 commitments from the state of North Carolina. You can't really ask for much more. So, we'll officially turn our attention to the 2022 class now. Of course, we talked a little bit about it. Carolina already with three commitments in the class. And as we've said, and we said this even before they started landing these commitments, the state of Virginia was going to be huge for Carolina in this class. Well, their first three commitments come from the state of Virginia. Tayon Holloway, of course, the cornerback out of Green Run High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia, committed to the Tar Heels back on Christmas Day. Uh, he is an extremely exciting cornerback prospect, a guy that, once again, was heavily recruited by Dre Bly. Dre did a great job of not letting anybody in after Carolina took the early lead, and they ended up wrapping up that commitment. 
He combines with Tyshawn Chapman, a guy that he had a really good relationship with out of Princess Anne High School, also in Virginia Beach. Uh, a talented wide receiver, really quick. Uh, a guy that is you know going to probably be able to make his living out of the slot, but you never really know. He's got some you know some of the abilities on the outside as well. Really good route runner, uh, and only going to improve. He committed just shortly before Teon Holloway, almost a week before him, back on December nineteenth, and then the guy that we. T- talked about just a couple of weeks ago in Trevion Green out of Life Christian Academy in Colonial Heights, Virginia, a guy that took an extra year, reshaped his body to become what he wants to become, which is going to be a solid interior offensive lineman at the college level. He's another guy that will probably benefit from that extra year. Uh, You'll get to see him at a little bit of a smaller weight, and we'll see uh, whether he can show a little bit more athleticism, which will help him fit in this scheme that Carolina likes to run with their offensive linemen. So, with that, we will give you the top 10 prospects that we are looking at as our most wanted or uh, most desired in this 2022 class. Those guys are off the books. Carolina's already got them. And again, there is a bit of reality here. We are not just going to look at the number one player in the nation, stuff like that. No. They're guys that Carolina has offered. They're guys probably, uh, I know from my list, and I assume the same with Zach's and from when we did this last year, that Carolina has pretty solid relationships with that you feel like Carolina is in the running for. Um, but yeah, we're going to do uh, exactly like we did last year. We'll go 10 to 1. We'll alternate picks. And uh, I'll let you start, Zach. So who do you have at number 10 for your most desired prospects in the 2022 class? Yeah, to go ahead and start, I will say I did sort of go through again and, you know, watch uh, or at least skim through film of most of these guys, not only here on my list, but, you know, some of the standout names uh, that a lot of people are familiar with within the 2022 class. So um, my list might not look the same as everyone else's list. It might not look the same as, of course, it's not going to look the same as the staff's list, but this is just my list looking over the film of where my top 10 amongst, um, you know, these prospects that we sit um, sort of are looking like at this point. Uh, for me, my number 10 spot, I have um, a currently unranked safety, though, based on the recent offers he's gotten, um, not likely to remain there, likely to be a, you know, a high three-star or low four-star, at least at this time, one of those top 500 guys. But uh, unranked at this time, safety Jake Pope um, out of Buford High School in Buford, Georgia. Uh, Buford High School being a high school that uh, North Carolina has had some success in, has recruited fair amount of guys got a few guys from there uh but you throw on his film you see a guy that uh plays both ways in high school place uh wide receiver as well as safety safety probably more of his projected position but having that offensive background um he's really got a quickness about him in his game from the defensive back position that um really just makes him stand out when you put him on film one of the things that i like to look at when I put on film specifically for uh, these guys, quote unquote, skill possessions, whether it be running back, wide receiver, uh, defense back, anything along those lines. I want to see, you know, how are you moving in the open field? How are you moving towards a ball carrier if you're on defense? And you you put on Jake's film. He's really, you know, taking good angles to the football. He's wrapping up. He's tackling. Um, and, you know. He's really flowing well, specifically from that safety position. Not a lot of film of him necessarily going 
one-on-one um, with uh, receivers or tight ends, which, you know, that's not wholly unexpected. Again, he's not a cornerback, probably not going to be in a lot of one-on-one situations, but um, you really just like the physical tools that he brings from um, some more nuts and bolts on this situation. I know he's a guy that um, defensive coordinator Jay Bateman really loves, um, really sort of, um, you know, heading up this recruitment here to some extent um, alongside, you know, the other defensive coaches. Uh, really just one of his favorite prospects within the 2022 class. But as I mentioned, you know, there are more and more offers coming in here within the past, I think, week, week and a half. We saw um, offers from Alabama as well as um, in-state Georgia. So obviously a guy whose, pro, whose profile is rising uh, amongst some of these um you know, more standard bearer programs that we see, specifically those within the SEC. So, yeah, really, really good prospect and, you know, guy that I'm really looking forward to having more discussions on moving forward. But, yeah, go ahead and uh, who do you have at number 10? Well, first, I I do want to say about Jake, I watched Jake multiple times this year. He is a really, really talented player. Um, I think you're you're, you're spot on in your observation that, you know, he's not going to be a one-on-one safety. That's not going to be his game. He will be an in-the-box, run-stopping safety. He's not, I mean, look, he's not awful in coverage. He knows where he needs to be. He's a guy that is going to thrive in a zone system if you're going to play him a lot in coverage. But like you said, Jay Bateman, Bateman likes him a lot because he likes his aggressiveness. He's a really good tackler. I think the one thing about him that, probably has him a little bit lower on you know some of these boards than some of the other guys uh, in this class in terms of safeties is probably his size. He, he does need to put on a little bit of weight. There were times where you know he would try to get in you know and, and try to make a couple tackles when they would blitz him in, in run blitz situations and offensive linemen made pretty quick uh, you know use of them just got him out of the way, out of the hole. He was knocked back a few times. Um, But I think that's something that they'll do once he gets to the next level. I think right now, especially with the fact that he is playing wide receiver at the high school level, and he can really fly, they want to keep him smaller. They want him to be able to take the top off of defenses, which he did a quite a couple of times this season. Um, so we'll see, you know, how his body kind of changes. But yeah, I am right with you. He is definitely a a top five hundred guy. I think from watching his film, he's a solid four star. Um I, I think, you know, the offers are starting to roll in and show that. He's gonna be a guy that when rivals, when ESPN go back and do their rankings and then when twenty four seven sports continues to update their rankings, he is going to climb really, really fast. And he'll be a guy that will go from being a, a three star guy that is unranked to a guy that's gonna be ranked pretty solidly uh, on those two thousand twenty two rankings list. Uh, at number 10, I have a guy that probably would be a lot higher on a lot of other people's lists. Um, but I think when you look at the position that he's at, Carolina is pretty loaded. I have Shalik Knotts, in-state wide receiver from Monroe High School. Uh, really talented player. I've, of course, scouted him before. Only one time before we're going to see a little bit more of him here uh, when uh, the state of North Carolina kicks off here in a couple of weeks in February. Um, but he's a guy that I think you know is fits the mantra of a do-it-all type of receiver. Um, When I look at him, I think he's a guy that if he can reach his peak, he can become a guy that's similar to what Stephon Diggs is at the NFL level because he's got the speed. He can take the top off of defenses. He's also a really good route runner, and he's got the body control 
and the ability to take hits where if he can put on a little bit more weight, he would be a guy that can go over the middle and help you in that intermediate passing game and the short passing game as well. Uh, so he's a multifaceted guy. Um, I think that, you know, you look at the position, like I said, I think that's one of the reasons that I have him a little bit lower on this list is that you look at the guys that Carolina already has. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of guys in this pass class that we think are going to be able to come in and contribute. And, you know, the, even the last couple of years, they've really been stacking this position year in and year out to try to find as many different targets as you can possibly get. The good news is is it feels like Carolina is in a really good standing with him. Um, it l- looks, again, he's really tough to get a read on because he's not the most out, you know, most vocal, most outright guy with his commitment. He's not going to be doing a ton of interviews, everything like that. But it feels like Carolina is one of the favorites. Penn State's another team that really, I think, has a pretty good shot with them. Um, but I, I think this would be a big one if Carolina could keep him in state because he's a really talented guy. And I really think that the upside for this young man is just unimaginable, especially with what this offense has become under Phil Longo. I think he could be a really, really great fit in this Tar Heel offense for years to come. Uh, So who do you have at number nine, Zach? So to kind of go real quick, um, this is also um, a guy that I would say it would probably be a lot higher on a lot of other people's uh, list because it's the same guy. Uh, you had him at number 10. I have him at number 9. Uh, I have Shaquille Knotts out of uh, Monroe High School there in Monroe, North Carolina. Um, so try not to repeat some of the same points. But um, one of the main things that I focus on in terms of uh, wide receiver recruiting is that North Carolina, in my opinion, has really recruited um, wide receivers in one of three types. They fit one of um, you know three archetypes for the type of wide receiver. So you've seen your slot receivers, your smaller guys. You'll see um, a Daz Newsom or a Josh a Josh Downs um, from this past freshman class that came in. Um, sort of in that smaller role, you'll see these longer sort of possession receivers like Bo Corrales or Antoine Green. And then the third type is that sort of do-it-all receiver on this past past few years we've seen that from Deami Brown so in terms of an archetype like you mentioned I think that not spits that sort of do-it-all guy that can do a lot of different things for you can take the top off the defense in sort of a straight line manner can move well in open spaces you throw in his film one of the things that they have him doing a lot um, is you know getting balls on slants getting sort of these screens and taking that into the open field so you know doesn't necessarily have the quickness of one of those slot guys but he has the physicality where he can be quick enough he can make guys miss and can also sort of you know shed would-be tacklers in motion if need be so um like you mentioned probably the reason that he is you know farther down on both of our list is just the pure um you know lack of need at the position quite frankly right. um, now they are going to bring guys in year after year within the offense that they have they want to bring in pretty much multiple bodies every year but with the guys that they already have there's not a specific need to have a number one receiver that steps on campus and starts right away so you know, that's sort of the reason that he's lower on the list but you know we'll move on from Shalik um, go ahead and you know give us your number nine. I've got Damari Alston, uh, a name that I think you know most people are starting to become familiar with. Very very active on social media, so the opposite of Salik Dots when it comes to his recruitment seems very very 
open to what Carolina has brought to the table so far. Uh, one of the things that is interesting with his recruitment is the fact that he was very closely tied to Robert Gillespie. He really, really developed a great relationship with him. Um, I think that he... I may be wrong on this, but I believe he may hold an Alabama offer right now. If he doesn't, you would imagine that that will come soon. But this is a guy a lot like Jake Pope, where the recruiting ranking doesn't quite tell you how good of a player this guy is. This guy took off this year. This is one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, he can do it. You know, he's he's got a powerful style that he runs with, but he combines that with really good speed. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he, I mean, he's a guy that put his team on his back this year. I watched him in one game this year that he played for Woodward Academy, and he is pretty much their entire offense. He knows what it's like to have a lot of pressure on him. That's something that you like uh, when you you know talk about some of these prospects that are coming in. And again, this, this is a little bit different than the position that we just talked about. I know that Carolina still has a lot of talented guys there, but remember, they only have Ty Chandler for one year, and after that, there are still some unknowns. So when you recruit this 2022 class, especially with the fact that a lot of these 22 guys aren't wasting time because they know that nothing is guaranteed right now with COVID-19. They may not, they may be like the 2021 class. They may not be able to eventually take official visits. Carolina's got to be able to be aggressive early on, and it feels like Demory Alston might be one of those guys that they are aggressive with. I just think he's, you know, he's a multifaceted runner. I think he's a little bit more physical version of what Michael Carter was. He can lower the shoulder a little bit better, um, but, you know, maybe he isn't quite as elusive, but I think he could eventually get there, and I really think the best thing about him is I think he would be just a great fit in this offense with everything that he does. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Carolina is able to establish themselves once again. I know that he did apparently like the hire of Larry Porter from you know what some people have told me, so that's a really good sign uh, going forward, but we'll have to just wait and see whether Carolina is able to jump up in that one, and I'll just tell you this. Uh, he's one of three running backs that are on my list. This is the most loaded position when it comes to this recruiting class. This is probably the most loaded running back class in terms of recruiting that I've ever seen. Uh, but I have Demari Alston at nine. So who do you have as your number eight guy on your list? Yeah, number eight. I had a guy that at least going in, I thought I was going to have a little bit higher um, given his ranking and sort of his position in relation to other sort of semi-local targets for North Carolina. But at number eight, I actually have Malachi Hamrick. Of course, not to say that he is a bad prospect, but you look at his national rating, I, you know, you figured that you'd be a, a, a lot higher on him. And it's not that I'm low on him necessarily. Like I said, it's just, you know, that I had a few guys higher. But you look at him, he does have very, very good film. You put it on and you see sort of a natural athleticism, you know, really, really fluid as an athlete on the edge, knows how to balance strength and power and sort of how to differentiate those two. So I think one of the best things that he has going for him as um, sort of this edge outside linebacker prospect, which I think we'll see quite a number of guys uh, recruited to those spots for North Carolina in 2022. But um, I, I think that he might have the highest floor out, out of um, the guys that you see, you know, at that position. So, you know, with that, that certainly speaks to his rank and why he's as high as he is. 
Um, if there's any drawback, at least at this moment, it would be the weight. You sort of look mm-hmm. at his size. He's listed at 6'4", 200. Um, he is going to need to add weight, and obviously, in any um, you know college strength and conditioning program, he would, but just needs a little bit more in that department, um, really, to sort of add to you know the great skill set that he has right now. It's not a you know it's not any reason that North Carolina is not going to pursue him. They obviously are. It's just sort of what keeps him at eight as opposed to a little bit higher on the list um in terms of just where his recruitment sits very briefly um he is down to a final two mm-hmm. of north carolina and ohio state is moving towards a commitment later this month on the 26th uh, north carolina looks to be in a really good spot right now he's certainly a guy that i want in the class like i mentioned there should be a few outside linebacker edge rush in whatever you want to call it there should be more than one spot for guys like that. That's probably a spot where they want to take uh, two to three guys uh, in this class. So I'm hoping he's one of them. And, you know, moving forward from there, who do you have at number eight? So I've got a guy out of the state of Virginia, shocker, uh, at safety. I got Sherrod Covell. And you're talking about, you know, you had Jake Pope on your list. I think when you look at Sherrod Covell, he's a guy that when we talk about someone that sort of fits both roles that – we look at when we look at safety. So a guy that can play in the box, can help you in run defense, can tackle, uh, and a guy that can cover one-on-one if need be, along with a good zone coverage guy on the back end of your defense. That's what Sherrod Covell is. Um, you throw on his film, I mean, look, he's a very strong tackler. Uh, he, he he's you know plays at a really good high school at, at Oscar Smith High School in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, so he plays some really strong competition, and he is not afraid to be physical, but he could also cover one-on-one. He was put in that, those situations quite a few times on film and definitely was able to succeed at a rate that is very encouraging for him uh, at the next level. You know, this is another spot where Carolina is a little bit thinner than I think people realize. I think the safety spot, there are, first of all, a lot of question marks, I think, heading into the spring at that position because it doesn't feel like there are a lot of answers there right now. The guys that played back there this year They weren't awful, but they weren't great either. So Carolina's got to be able to find some answers back there. And I still think they're going to recruit that position pretty hard over the next couple of years. And the other thing about Covell is, you know, really flexible guy. He's a versatile player that can play a couple of different positions on the field. If they needed him to play nickelback, he could probably play there. It looks like safety is probably the other spot, is probably the best spot for him. Um, But I think that he really just fits what Jay Bateman wants in his scheme. And that's one of the big things whenever we go over these lists that we've been talking about over the last few years is fit in Jay Bateman's scheme because his scheme is a little bit different than the ones that are run throughout the country. This guy feels like he's going to fit in. He can help them on the back end. And like I said, with the one-on-one coverage, it allows Jay Bateman to be a little bit more aggressive. So I think this is one that should be very high on the staff's list and is very high on my list uh, in this 2022 class. Who do you have at number seven there, Zach? At number seven, I have um, somewhat maybe of an unusual pick here at number seven. I have defensive tackle out of Shelby, Santana Hopper, a guy that's sort of on North Carolina's radar at the defensive tackle position. Now, not a ton of guys on the defensive line board in 2022, um, mainly 
just due to the fact that they've had so many guys specifically at sort of the four-eye defensive end position that they've taken over the past two classes. Um, but I mean, you throw on this guy's film specifically at the nose tackle position, not necessarily the tallest guy, sort of has more of a compact build, but you know, this guy's really just a bulldog in there in the trenches, really would play well, you know, in that zero tech nose guard spot. You figure with his size, he'd just be, you know, a guy that stands in the gap, a run stuffer, but, you know, you watch him, he's moving guys out of the way, he's getting in the backfield, you know, disrupting handoffs, disrupting, you know, quarterbacks getting sacks, uh, really just sort of a, a underrated sort of diamond in the rough. I mean, you look at his profile, he's listed as a four-star, but with his size, you know, you don't really see guys that are able to move and move, you know, interior offensive linemen out of the way that I really like from watching his film um, in, you know, college football as it stands today and in the pros as well, interior pass rush. Um, you know, there's a premium put on that uh, specifically from guys that can do, you know, multiple roles that can rush the passer from the interior as well as defend against the run inside in sort of a, you know, two gap scheme. So, you know, Santana Hopper, um, he's a guy that I have to put on there as my number seven, but you know, we'll go ahead and move on from there. Who do you have as number seven on your board? So I've got an outside linebacker, one of the top players in the state in terms of rankings. And I think part of the reason why he is a little bit lower on my list is really just the fact that you look at how good of relationships Clemson and Ohio State have with him. But I've got Jalen Walker here, an extremely talented guy out of Salisbury, North Carolina. Uh, this is probably the most most versatile linebacker that Carolina is recruiting in this class. Probably one of the most versatile linebackers in the entire class when it comes to linebackers. He can cover sideline to sideline without any issue. Uh, he's a guy that you know is also really, really strong in coverage. Um, and I think you know has you know has the ability, has the body size, probably has a little bit of the physicality as well. You didn't see it often at you know at the high school level, but I think you're going to probably see it a little bit more at the college level to be able to get after the quarterback. So what I look at him as, if he was to commit to Carolina. In this scheme, he would be a more aggressive version of what Chaz Surratt was. And I think he's a little bit of a better coverage guy overall than Chaz Surratt was. So I think that's the thing that should be really intriguing for Carolina fans when they look at Jalen Walker. Uh, you know, he, he he's the definition of what you want in a linebacker. He's a modern linebacker who can pretty much do it all for you. Um, but again, you know, the thing is, is that you look at the Clemson Tigers, you look at the Ohio State Buckeyes, and Carolina's right there with them, but it feels like Clemson's probably the favorite for them right now. Ohio State would probably be the number two if most people were to make a prediction there, and Carolina would be behind them. But he is a guy that is a little bit quieter than some of the other recruits on the uh, on the trail. Um, he is not a guy that is very active on social media at all. Pretty much he's on there to put up offers and release top schools lists. That's the only time he's really on social media. So it's hard to get a great read on him. I feel like that's probably the reason that you still think Carolina has a chance here, but boy, if they can land this guy, it would be huge for them. It would give them another really, really talented prospect inside of the top 50 and would give them a guy that could come in and play an immediate role in their defense uh, going forward. So, who do you have at uh, number 6 on your list? At number 6, I have my first running back. Um, as you mentioned, 
I think on both of our alerts, there's going to be multiple running backs. Uh, here's my first one. I have Marion Hampton um, out of uh, Cleveland High School in Clayton, North Carolina. Um, really, really elite, um, sort of four-star, top 150 guy with uh, within North Carolina. When I put on his film, you know, he's listed at six foot uh, two fifteen, and he looks even bigger than that on film. Uh, really, really physical playing guy. I mean, you hear people talk about that a lot. The guy that you know plays bigger than he is or plays physical, but you you, you watch him run. He runs sort of with this upright sort of stance. He's got really good movement. Um, sheds tacklers really well. In, in terms of playing style, I think he's got some similarities to Javante Williams that we saw this past year. He's really good at moving sort of within those short distances, so he can make guys miss if need be, but, you know, he can also put his shoulder down or, you know, stiff-arm guys and move them out of the way, and I really, really like sort of that physical edge. Um, I think he'd fit well sort of with, a, you know, a more speedy scat back type of uh, running back sort of in that tandem that we saw this past year. So you mix him, you know, with one of those guys, you know, maybe a Michael Allen or a George Petway or one of these other guys that we see North Carolina recruiting uh, at running back in the um, 2022 cycle. I think he'd be sort of a, a deadly sort of lightning and thunder punch there, as they like to say, or one-two punch um, at the running back position. But moving forward from there. Who do you have at number six? So I've got probably the guy that would be his pairing in the backfield if you're looking for a similar pairing to what we saw this year. I've got George Petaway back there. Uh, I really think that this is a guy that a lot of people probably are sitting at home and saying, how do you have him at number six? How is he not higher? Um, I really feel like, honestly, it's just because the five guys that I have ahead of him, I really just like that much more. It's nothing personal against Petaway. I think he's just, I mean, he's a really good player, but I think this is the point that we're at. In Carolina football, where you know a couple of years ago, a guy this talented probably would have been, uh, you know, second, third on this list. But there's just so much talent that Carolina is looking at. But yeah, this guy can do just about everything that you need him to do. Um, I, I mean, look, he probably has some of the best pure skills of anybody in this recruiting cycle. I mean, he's got fantastic vision. He can put his foot in the ground, cut back with ease. Uh, and, you know, I think that Carolina is definitely someone that uh, he, he's very high on. He has a really good relationship with Carolina. Why wouldn't he? Because it seems like all the guys in the Tidewater area do. And another thing is, is that this is yet another guy that if you put him in your offense, he is going to be able to help you in multiple areas of the game. I don't know so much about pass protection. Again, watching pass protection on high school film is unbelievably hard because to be honest with you, most running backs don't do it. But he's a guy that is going to help you in the receiving game, which again is similar to what Michael Carter brought to you this past year. I think that's kind of what Carolina is going to be looking for going forward over the next few years, especially with Phil Longo as their offensive coordinator. He saw how successful that was and how successful it made his offense. So they are going to be looking to duplicate that type of backfield duo going forward. And I think George Petaway could be that guy that can help you get there if you can team him up with one of the other guys in this class. So, yeah, I've got George Petaway at number six. Now we move on to our top five. And the first of the top five, who do you have at number five, Zach? 
at number five. I think I have another sort of out-of-the-box pick, but um, it's actually an offensive lineman, um, offensive lineman out of Franklin, Tennessee, uh, by the name of Fisher Anderson. Um, in terms of that Tennessee connection, um, is sort of friends with uh, 2021 Carolina offensive line signee um, Eli Sutton. So there's obviously from the uh, recruiting aspect, there's that connection. But you you know you look at him from a physical perspective as an offensive lineman. Listed as six uh, seven or six eight, depending on who you look at. Um, two seventy five to two eighty. So a little bit on the smaller side in terms of an offensive lineman. But as we've sort of discussed, you know, offensive line is one of the positions that um, Tar Heel fans keep looking for North Carolina, not only as a roster, but in terms of recruitments to hit that next stage, specifically at this position. And I think that Anderson is is a guy that you can do that with. Uh, plays both offensive tackle and tight end in high school. Um, so obviously is very good you know, moving around, but also has that blocking ability. Um, I, I, I think that he could fit somewhat of a similar mold to what we saw from, um, you know, Charlie Heck coming out of high school, you know, came in a little bit undersized for the offensive line position, but, you know, didn't have to come in and start immediately, was able to get into a college strength and conditioning program, continue to see his body build. And then when he was able to get on the film, or on the field rather, you know, he had the size uh, requisite to play that, but he could play sort of that, you know, blind side left tackle because he was able to move so well and be able to stop sort of these speeder ed rushers. So I think that's what Fisher Anderson can add here as a true sort of, you know, making a projection, but a potential true left tackle prospect. But moving forward from there, uh, who do you have at number five? So I have a guy that showed up a little bit earlier on your list. I have Malachi Hamrick. Uh, you know, I think that there, the, the main reason that I have him here is the upside that he brings to the table. And I also like the fact that he is a straight line pass rusher to a certain extent. Um, I, I think that, you know, if you look at the sack numbers from this past year or the, yeah, from the past year that he played, of course he is going to play here in the spring for Shelby high school uh, in Shelby, North Carolina. Um, you would say, okay, this guy, pretty much all he does is just rush the quarterback. That's not necessarily true, but he does a really, really good job of that. Um, he, he, I mean, one of the best sack artists in the state's history, and he's still got another year to go, uh, even after this year. So there's a lot to really be encouraged about when it comes to uh, his production and everything like that. Um, but he's also a guy that's got really good length. Uh, he can help you in run defense a little bit as well. Um, and, and I think that's one of the big things when you when you talk about him and you look at him, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that is a developmental prospect. Like you said, he is going to have to put on weight. I don't think it's going to be much of a problem to put weight on him. Uh, he is a little bit thinner than what we saw from Des Evans. But the other thing about him is you got to remember that you're getting in early with him. So if you want him to put on a little bit more weight, probably even before his senior year of high school next fall, you're probably going to be able to do that. But that's one of the areas where you are a little bit concerned uh, if you're going to probably play him at the position that many would think you're going to play him at, which is rush end. Um, but I still think that there is, you know, there are going to have the ability to put some weight on him pretty quickly. But look, you can't teach skills. This guy knows how to get after the quarterback. Even though he is a little bit undersized, he still has some physical nature to his pass rushing ability. So I think that he's a guy that Carolina is really going to covet in this class 
Not to mention, he also grew up a huge Tar Heel fan, nearly committed to Carolina on the spot when they offered him a scholarship. So it also feels like that's a big one for Carolina to wrap up, to not let Ohio State come in and, you know, end up basically flipping this guy because to, to you know, from everything that we've seen, this is a guy that was, you know, really just holding off uh, just to, you know, go through the recruiting process a little bit, give other teams maybe a chance to impress him that much. But he grew up a Tar Heel fan, so we feel like that, you know, they were the big time favorites there. So Carolina wants to get this one locked down. And like you mentioned this is coming to an end soon this is going to be probably a three-week sprint down the stretch between Carolina and Ohio State and we'll see if Carolina is able to pull it out but I have him at number five on my list what about you with number four Zach well number four um, as many know if you've been listening to the podcast um, generally there's one prospect per year that I could spend an hour talking about Last year, it was a linebacker out of Glenn High School, uh, Rhaenyria Rara Dilworth. Yet again this year, it's a linebacker out of Glenn High School in Kernersville, North Carolina, so more local to me. That's probably at least some of the reason I like both of these players. But Albert Red out of Glenn High School is my number four guy, currently unranked within the 247 composite. But like I mentioned, this is a guy that I'm going to be talking about until he commits somewhere. One of my favorite guys in this class offers versatility at 6'3", to play both inside and outside linebacker, uh, dependent how you want to develop him. Really, really explosive, not only off the edge, but in the open film, has a nose uh, to tackle um, the carrier, whether it be quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, whoever. He is all over it. Uh, not exactly the same build as Rara Dilworth, so I don't want you to think that these are the same guy, but both show a very elite burst um, that, you know, whoever's the defensive coordinator at Glenn, they certainly had a fun time having both these guys alongside uh, Javari Ritzy, but a guy that I'm really happy that North Carolina has already put an offer out on early. I think he could be one of the diamonds in the rough here in North Carolina's recruiting class, potentially, Uh, but moving forward from there, who do you have at number four? So, at number four, I've got Amarion Hampton, who you talked about just a little while ago. Uh, Yeah, this guy is very comparable to what we saw from Javante Williams. Maybe not quite as physical, considering just how physical Javante Williams was, but he runs with a physical edge. He's not afraid to lower a shoulder run a guy over, and I think that's something that this staff, primarily Phil Longo, is going to want from one of his running backs. The thing that is a little intriguing about Hampton, though, is that I think he is a faster overall running back than Javante Williams was. He has fantastic speed in the open field. He can really pull away from defenders with ease once he gets into open space, and I think that's the thing that you're going to have to watch from him over the next couple of years to see if he can keep that speed, maybe put on a little bit more weight to be able to continue to build himself as a physical runner. And if he can do that, you feel like he is going to fit the mold of exactly what we saw from Javante Williams. That's one of the main reasons that I feel like he should be so coveted in this class. And I think he will be. I think Carolina knows this is a big-time in-state prospect. This is a guy that has a lot of high-end offers as well. But I think with the fit in this offense, the ability to sort of you know switch back and forth between the speed and the physicality, it makes him one of the most complete 
prospects in this class at the running back position. One of those positions that I feel like Carolina is going to hit hard in this next recruiting class. And uh, that's why I have him number four on my list. Who do you have at number three, Zach? At number three, I have um, my final running back on the list, one that you've already mentioned in George Petaway. What I really like and what sets him apart from some of these other running backs is just um, the overall speed that he plays with. All of these guys are fast. Obviously, they're you know, high-level running backs that North Carolina is recruiting. But, you know, you look at these guys, um, he has sort of that extra gear that he can, you know, get into at a moment's notice. Makes it a little bit slippery. Um, in the open field one second it looks like he's going to get tackled the next you know he's breaking away for a touchdown um, if there's a similarity and not to say that he is necessarily at this guy's level but just in terms of overall playing style I see a little bit of uh, Alvin Kamara uh, for the New Orleans Saints there sort of in his play style I imagine uh, I haven't seen a ton of film uh, of him catching passes but I imagine you know if he's a guy that you wanted to you know put out wide a little bit had him catch you know short uh short level passes i feel like that's that's a role that he could really excel in and then make plays in the open field um so that's sort of what sets him apart from me as the top running back his ability to you know be a player in open space his ability potentially to be you know good in the receiving game so moving forward from there who do you have at your number three spot so i got a guy that has probably jumped onto a lot of radars more recently, uh, mainly because this was a guy that most people probably didn't know how good of a chance Carolina actually had in his recruitment. But as we've learned over the past couple of weeks, Carolina has a fighting chance here once again because of Dre Bly, who we talked about, of course, at length earlier in the episode, and that's Jaden Lucas. This is a, a an extremely, extremely talented corner from Malden High School in Malden, South Carolina. When you throw on the film, this is the type of player that fits this system perfectly when it comes to a long outside corner that can play man coverage. Even if you need him to play a little bit of zone coverage, he can do that for you as well. Really, really strong tackler as an outside corner. That's something that I think Carolina is going to continue to want in their corner. Something that we saw a little bit of from Patrice Renee that I think was really liked during his time on campus. But this guy has just about all of it. And the other thing is, you know, when you look at cornerbacks, you always look at the hips. How fluid are the hips? That was one of the main things that stood out to me when it came to. Uh, to Tony Grimes back in the 2000, um, back in the 2021, and then of course parlayed over into the 2020 class uh, whenever he enrolled early. Uh, he, he, I mean, this is you know Jaden Lucas. It feels like is that same type of guy. I think you know when you look at him, Lucas, uh, you know it should be high on a lot of people's boards right now if Carolina has a fighting chance. And it feels like they do at this point. He has the ability to potentially, if he needed to, come in and make an early impact. And if he gets time to even develop, boy, he could be a really scary guy at this level. So that's who I have as number three on my list. Now we get into our final two. Who do you have at number two, Zach? Yeah, I feel like that our top two are probably going to be fairly similar. I will just go ahead and preview mind. Um, at my two 
top two spots. You have two five-star prospects that North Carolina is recruiting. Um, at number two specifically, I have a five-star offensive tackle out of the state of Virginia in Zach Rice, obviously a name that many Tar Heel fans know at this point uh, just due to his connection to uh, Coach Glover, Tony Grimes' dad, uh, that is a coach up there in Virginia, has relationships with Zach uh, and his mother and his family and has facilitated visits, uh, which is sort of playing at least somewhat of a role in North Carolina's recruitment here. But just when you have a guy like that sort of within your backfield um, nationally that um, has that sort of skills, as, as I've already mentioned, you know, offensive line is really one of those, you know, the one position that we're looking at at this point of when is North Carolina going to take that next step? Obviously, you know, all over the board, we're looking for the infusion of talent from these past few recruiting classes, but offensive line continues to be one that we're looking for continued development, continued additions um, in recruiting. So, you know, landing a guy like that, landing a Zach Rice to really be, you know, a big piece of whatever your, you know, offensive line is going to be in the future. Um, and obviously, as we've seen, North Carolina is not going to stop recruiting very good quarterbacks. Obviously, have Sam Howell bringing in, you know, highly touted Drake May this year. With as long as so long as there, it's going to be, you know, not necessarily pass first off offense, but it's going to be, you know, a very pass-heavy offense, one that's trying to move the ball downfield and one that's going to need um, time from the offensive line to protect the quarterback. So I think that just based on his pedigree, just based on his skill, Zach Rice is who I have to have at number two, but I'd uh, love to hear, you know, who you have at number two. So I know who your number one is. That's who my number two is. It's Travis Shaw, uh, extremely talented defensive lineman. Uh, look, this was a guy that, I mean, he jumped onto the radar as a freshman because of just how physical he was, his ability to get after the quarterback, his ability to be a space eater in run defense. This is, I mean, look, he is what we thought Peyton Page could be at a time when Peyton Page was younger. Peyton Page sort of let his body go just a little bit, put on a little bit more weight. Travis Shaw can do it all. And I think that's one of the main reasons that he's going to be as coveted as he is. He's got really good size to play on the interior of the defensive line in just about any scheme. But I think the thing that kind of separates him and makes him a really, really coveted prospect for the Tar Heels is that you feel like he's athletic enough, he's got enough speed, where he can have success in your system that runs you know, a version of a, a you know, two-man front, basically. I mean, look, you, you, of course, have your outside linebackers, but mainly you have two guys that normally have their hands in the dirt. Travis Shaw is a guy that can fit that four-eye position if you need him to, uh, but has the physicality to play the position that we saw Raymond Vowasik play this year and have success at. The main thing when you talk about Travis Shaw is that this is another in-state prospect that is very highly touted, mainly by Clemson. You do not want to let Clemson walk into your state and take another talented overall player to begin with, but definitely not another talented defensive lineman like they did with Dexter Lawrence, like they did with K.J. Henry. Those are the types of situations that you're trying to avoid going forward. And we talked about it on the last podcast that we did, and it's worth mentioning here again. This is one of those where if you can win this battle – 
you are saying to Clemson and really the rest of the country at that rate, you're not going to come into the state of North Carolina and win even the top guys without putting up your best fight. I don't think that that means Clemson's not going to put up their best fight here. I really think they are. But I think Carolina wants to show that when you go toe-to-toe on the recruiting trail, Carolina can compete and has the ability to keep these guys in state. And with the skill set that Shaw has, I think that it's extremely important for Carolina to be able to get him on the defensive line. I think the reason why I probably have him at two uh, before, you know, of course, we'll discuss Zach Rice for me and Travis Shaw for you. Um, I think the reason that I have him at two is that I feel like offensive line is a more important position for Carolina in this recruiting class. I feel like that's a position that you are needing a little bit more at than on the defensive line, mainly because of what you've seen Carolina bring in over the last two years, mainly, but even spanning back the last three years. So that's the reason why I have Travis Shaw at two. But I mean, these two guys are really interchangeable. And uh, I know you've got Travis Shaw at one. What's the reason that you've got him as your number one prospect? Well, I think you made some very good points, and uh, to some degree, I do have to agree. I, I mean, I think that offensive line, as compared to vet defensive line as a whole, is more of a need, more of a position, like I mentioned, that you know needs to continue to build depth and talent there. Uh, what really sets Travis Shaw apart for me and you know puts him as my number one player is just his overall skill. I mean, as you mentioned, he's a guy that can play multiple positions on the defensive line. He could play at nose if you want to, but can also play that four-eye position. But you just put on his film, um, and you see why in the composite he's rated as a top-ten guy, why a program like Clemson covets him so highly. You see a guy his size, and quite frankly, he just shouldn't move like that. He shouldn't be you know, as nimble as he is while also being as physical. He shouldn't be able to knock guys about his size you know, clean on their back half the time he shouldn't be able to get into the backfield and get you know running backs with regularity but that is something that he does um and so you know this is a game changer of a prospect um specifically for a school like north carolina that's right on the cusp that wants to enter that conversation um as you know already in the conversation as conference contender wants to enter you know more into the national scene as we've discussed and there are constantly making steps to do that but this would really like you mentioned it would not only be sort of a a publicity win to say hey clemson you can't just come into north carolina and take whoever you want when you want them it's really staking the claim of north carolina as um you know a national power as someone to take heed of and to be respected and someone to look and say hey that's a team that's going to be contending but um, it really just is one of those pieces when you look at who are the prospects that you're going to build um, whatever the special year is that you have you look at guys that you mentioned like Dexter Lawrence um, and how big he was for Clemson and how big he was um, to their national title run you look at you know other guys at other schools that you've seen at any position there's always a few guys that you can point to either as leaders or just very influential players and I think Travis Shaw uh, could be that for the future of North Carolina. Yeah, Zach Rice, uh, I got him number one. As you mentioned with him, I mean, this is the franchise left tackle 
probably for an NFL franchise of the future. And that means that he is going to come in. He's a guy that looks like, even with everything that we've seen on the offensive line in the past, I mean, I talked about it when we talked about, you know, uh, the offensive line in the last edition of the podcast. The Tariels usually like to take time to develop their offensive linemen into what they want them to become. Zach Rice would be a guy that could come in and challenge right away for reps. He is he would easily be the most talented offensive lineman that the Tar Heels have landed in program history, I think, just from a recruiting standpoint. Um, he, I mean, can move with just about the best of them. Uh, he has the great lateral quickness. He's extremely physical. Uh, you, you can just tell that this guy has everything that you need. Great hand placement. Um, he's just a smart overall player, and he's extremely athletic as well. And when you dive into it, Yes, that's this is the position that when you go back and you watch those games against Florida State, against Notre Dame, against even Texas A&M late in the game to a certain extent, this is the area where if Carolina is going to take that step to become a national contender, a team that can sneak into the college football playoff, that can compete and give Clemson everything they can handle, if not beat the Clemson Tigers at some point. This is the position that you feel like they need to take a step forward and they just haven't got the guys like they do on the defensive line. I still think the defensive line is a work in progress, but they have the guys that they have recruited there. The offensive line, look, this past class, I thought they did a really good job. I thought Diego Pounds, Eli Sutton were a really good start to getting this thing going in the direction that you want to. If you were able to get Zach Rice, that would be, I mean, that would fast track this to, I mean, put you probably on the doorstep of having the type of talent that you need to be able to compete with some of those top teams in the country to consistently be inside the top 10. And I think that's where Carolina wants to be. That's why I've got Zach Rice so high on my list. And I think, you know, there is a chance that Carolina still can find a way. I, I know that we've heard all the stuff about Gunnar Givens and him pretty much being uh, a package deal. Look, we've seen that before. You know, guys have good relationships with each other, but you never really know. Eventually, from sitting at home and thinking about it, he may think to himself, you know what? I, I, I like playing with Gunner. I think it would be nice to play with them. But I think that for me, the best fit could be somewhere separate from them. So I don't think it's over yet. I think Carolina definitely has a fighting chance, especially with the fact that he has visited Carolina games before. As far as I know, he has not taken a visit to an Ohio State game. I think he may have been to a Clemson game before, but I don't think he's been to an Ohio State game. So uh, I think Carolina definitely has a great opportunity there. And I have him number one on my list. I feel like it's it's a really big uh, position of importance. And that doesn't even mention the fact that Carolina is going to lose offensive tackle Jordan Tucker after the season. So they will want to get some talent in there to help replace him. Having a true freshman as talented as Zach Rice uh, could definitely help him. So uh, that wraps up our list. A couple of guys that neither one of us had on our list that I think are worth pointing out here um, that I think, you know, might be able to, uh, you know, jump onto these lists if we did these a little later on after some guys have committed, maybe after some guys have played a few more games. Uh, One, Michael Allen from J.H. Rose High School in Greenville, North Carolina, an extremely talented back, short back, 5'9", 
203, has some good speed, though. Uh, definitely a guy that I think Carolina is going to take a hard look at, especially with the fact that he is an in-state guy. Um, you look at the uh, you know wide receivers in this class, I think there's two guys that we didn't talk about that Carolina uh, definitely will take a hard look at. Dakota Twitty, big, big wide receiver on the outside, 6'5", 215. thing that's really interesting about him, if you think of more and more about him and watch the way that he plays. I think that's a guy that if Carolina was to bring him in, if if they felt like they had enough guys on the outside at wide receiver, you could probably put enough weight on him to allow him to play a little bit of tight end for you. He probably wouldn't be an inline blocking tight end like we've seen in recent years with guys like Garrett Walston and Carl Tucker, but he would be more of that Eric Ebron type if you wanted to. And then another guy, I think, you know, it depends on where what their feeling is in the slot after, of course, landing Tyshawn Chapman is Makai Wall out of Dudley High School. I've seen him in person. Uh, He is really impressive. He can fly. He can catch just about anything that's thrown his way. Uh, And he's a guy that I feel like he's in, you know, ranked outside of the top 500. But I think as he starts to play more games, again, he's going to have a lot of eyes on him in the spring, being one of the only states that's playing in the spring. And then he'll have a senior season as well. I think he's a name to keep an eye on. And then a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball that I think are worth mentioning that neither one of us had on our list, but are really, really talented prospects. One that I think is, is you know, it, it kind of caught people off guard when he had Carolina inside of his top 12 list is Dalen Everett. Now, it shouldn't really catch us off guard. I think a lot of people look at it and say, well, this guy plays for IMG Academy. Uh, you know, that's out of the state of Florida. That's a spot that Carolina has not typically gone into and grabbed prospects out of. I don't know if Carolina has ever, just from thinking off the top of my head, gone and gotten a guy from IMG. But this guy would be different. He is from the state of Virginia originally. He transferred before last season. I think really just anticipating the fact that Virginia wasn't going to play high school football. So Carolina, again, with that Virginia connection, might have a chance here if they don't land Jaden Lucas or if they still feel like they need to add more talent at cornerback. Uh, and then, you know, another guy that I think we didn't talk about, but I definitely think will potentially be on some people's list because they still feel like well, you need some depth here. And he's another in-state guy that's extremely talented, that's inside linebacker, a four-star, Xavier Simmons out of Northwest Guilford High School. A really physical player, really like what I saw from him on tape, athletic guy, but I want to see a little bit more of him. That's one of the main reasons that I didn't put him on my list. I think he's another guy that'll get a lot of attention with the fact that the that that North Carolina is playing in the spring. I know I will definitely be checking out one of his games to get a better look at him. And I think from there, we'll be able to evaluate him a little bit better as a prospect. But this is always one of my favorite podcasts that we do. We started this up last year, and it was just so much fun. We had to do it again this year. Um, and I feel like this was probably the perfect time to do it because this is the official turn of the page towards the 2022 class. And of course, we'll have you covered with everything when it comes to the 2022 class. Make sure you guys go back onto the website, check out the commitment uh, uh, article for Dante Balfour. Uh, Of course, you guys can go back, check out the early signing period um, recap as well. If you want to go back and read about the other guys that, of course, signed with Carolina 
back in the early period. Uh, of course, as we know, the sign the, the normal signing period no longer the same that as it used to be in the early days. No longer do you have the number one prospect nearly not getting his uh, his letter of intent in on time because his fax machine wasn't working. That doesn't happen anymore. All that chaos is gone now, but we still had you covered uh, throughout the day on National Signing Day up until Balfour's commitment. So make sure you go back and read that article as well as some of the other great ones on the site. We got you covered in the offseason. Of course, it's going to be a pretty short turnaround because Believe it or not, Carolina is closing in on jumping back into spring ball. Won't be too long now before they are getting out there. Of course, the spring game scheduled for April 24th, so we'll take you all the way through the start of spring practice to the spring game. And then have you covered the rest of the way as we go throughout the rest of the offseason as well. Weekly storylines, that's the best way to keep up with that. We put those out typically every Monday, but it really just depends on what other stuff is going up on the website. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for that. Basketball coverage on the website, Toriel Basketball. Uh, again, you know, they suffered a tough loss to Clemson last night, but it still feels like this team is generally heading in the right direction. It is going to be a, you know, a, a little bit of a windy road, I think, back to the top for Carolina. But we'll have you covered no matter what, whether Carolina finishes out the season, makes the NCAA tournament, makes a run, or if Carolina falls short, even misses out on the NCAA tournament, we'll have you covered on the Heel Tough blog website. And then, of course, we'll do the same for you during baseball season. We're bringing that coverage back this year. Uh, not going to be you know more in-depth uh, just yet. We're still trying to find a baseball writer that can cover that as in-depth as we cover football and basketball. But we'll still take you each week through what happened uh, and uh, recap each week for you throughout the season. So that'll be up on the website as well. Uh, make sure you like and follow the Facebook page so that you don't miss any of those articles that we just talked about. And you don't miss any of these editions of the podcast. Of course, right now we've been putting up a lot of the waveform editions of the podcast when it comes to video. Uh, but we will be getting back into some video podcasts as we start to get later on uh, into the offseason and towards the start of the season. We are currently trying to sort of secure ourselves our own little at-home studio, uh, sort of get ourselves you know, some equipment that we can use after uh, we were removed from the studio that we were originally using for that. So I uh, I think that's you know one of the main reasons why we're not going to be on video for a while, but we appreciate you guys sticking with us. Uh, and then for the podcast side of things, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Rating and reviewing moves us up some of those general rankings so that people that haven't found us just yet, when they search Tar Heel Podcast, they can track us down and join in on all the fun that we're having here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, talking about the Tar Heels. And then, of course, when you subscribe to the podcast, it goes right into to your podcast player. So whenever you want to listen to the latest edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast, you can just go into your podcast library, pull it up, and play that edition wherever you are. So want to thank Zach for hosting with me tonight. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs> <laughs>